0: Thanks for joining me. This episode, we'll be talking about conflict and its effects on our productivity. You'll find more information and links to resources I mentioned all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 214. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. You know, freelancers and small business owners know how important it is to make smart decisions for your business. And how incredibly important it is to get paid for the good work you do. And our friends at FreshBooks are there to help with their cloud accounting service that's ridiculously easy to use. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has made it easier and dramatically less time consuming for over 10 million people to manage their business finances. FreshBooks has a ton of great features, and I could talk about several of them. But for instance, you can use FreshBooks to automate late payment email reminders. So instead of digging through your records and manually sending reminders to customers who haven't yet paid, FreshBooks will track payments and send those reminders for you. Related to that, when you may email an invoice to a client or customer, FreshBooks can show you when the client has seen it which is a useful bit of information to have. If you haven't yet tried FreshBooks, now's the perfect time to give it a try. They are offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial to the Productive Woman listeners. No credit card required, just your chance to see whether FreshBooks is right for you. I've been using it for several years now and recommend it highly. To find out all the ways that FreshBooks can help you manage your business finances, go to freshbooks.com slash TPW and be sure to enter the Productive Woman in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Okay, let's get right into the topic. A question was raised a while back in the Productive Woman community about conflict and how it affects our productivity. And I've been thinking about this topic ever since. Uh, I have to confess I am not by any stretch an expert on conflict resolution, but I just thought it's such a great question. So I did some research and thought I'd share some things with you that we can all think about together. First of all, conflict. What are we talking about when when we we talk about conflict? it's defined in the dictionary as a serious disagreement or argument, typically a protracted one. Um, Another definition is a condition in which a person experiences a clash of opposing wishes or needs, or an incompatibility between two or more opinions, principles, or interests. And I thought those definitions were interesting, kind of shed some light on Uh, the issue behind this, this issue of conflict, I think conflict is inevitable. Humans by nature experience opposing values or wishes or needs as the definition refers to. And the effect of conflict though, is dependent on how we handle it and how we think about it. I think a lot of us don't like conflict. This, my husband and I were talking about this recently because he really doesn't like conflict. He never has. It's been a, a challenge for him as long as I've known him and I've known him a long time. But the fact is when you have more than one person involved, it's inevitable that there will be conflict from time to time, how much it affects the relationship or the situation really depends on how we handle it how we think about what it means and as we're we're talking about this in this episode or as as I was thinking about it preparing for this episode i thought a little bit about the the differences between what i Characterizes immediate or sudden conflict versus long-term conflict, or even uh, an environment that is kind of dominated by conflict. All of those are slightly different. Uh, immediate conflict can sometimes pop up very suddenly, catch us by surprise, unprepared, and and it can create that fight or flight response. It's very hard on us, both physically and physiologically, when we're not expecting conflict and it comes out of nowhere or even if we know there may there's a potential for conflict with a person or with a group of people but it comes in ways we weren't expecting that that is a a situation where a conflict occurs it has to be dealt with and then it's over with on the other hand long term conflict uh, i think is exhausting. It wears us out and it wears us down. And the same thing with being in a conflict-ridden environment. Even if we're not directly involved in the conflict, if we're in a workplace or a household where there's ongoing conflict, it's hard on us uh, emotionally and physically. Those are some things to think about in terms of the impact of conflict and where it may pop up. I mean, it can occur anywhere in our lives. At home, we may have conflict with a spouse, with our kids, with our parents or siblings. Um, At work, we may have conflict with a boss, with colleagues, with employees, uh, even with with clients or customers, sometimes conflict can arise. And it's a big issue, according to studies for workplace productivity. One article I read said that there are studies that show that 60 to 80% of all difficulties at a company arise from the strained relationships that employees encounter with each other on a regular basis. And I I thought that was interesting. I mean, 60 to 80% of difficulties at businesses come from personality conflicts or just those strained relationships that come from any number of things, A, a serious disagreement or argument, as the definition we read talked about, or a clash of opposing wishes or needs. And of course, we can have conflict internally as well, where we have Uh, the definition referred to an incompatibility between two or more opinions or principles or interests. You know, maybe we want to preserve a, a relationship with our spouse, but we also want to uh, accomplish a certain thing that our, that our spouse maybe doesn't approve of, or isn't, doesn't want us to do. And that can create some internal conflict as well. So conflict can come from anywhere in any area of our lives. It has its effects regardless of the source or the, the environment, the context that it's in. And in fact, conflict among other people that doesn't directly involve you can still affect your productivity. It creates that environment of tension and stress that affects us. Uh, This article that I mentioned earlier, or actually this, um, this is a different article, an article called Conflict's Positive and Negative Aspects says that when conflict involves the use of what the article calls heavy contentious tactics, It can cause the individuals or groups involved in the conflicts, as well as individuals or groups not involved in the conflict, to divert time and resources away from other needs. And that's, I think, the source of how conflict affects our productivity, because it takes our time, our energy, and our attention away from other things and diverts it to dealing with the conflict. And again, that's true whether we are directly involved in the conflict or not. And it's especially in a situation where you're responsible for other people or feel that you are. So if you're in a household and there's conflict between your kids, when you feel responsible for them, or you're in a workplace where employees are are in conflict with each other and you feel responsible for them, it's certainly going to affect your ability to be productive. And it's going to require some coping skills and some some, uh, tools and techniques to deal with it in order to remain productive in all the senses that we talk about productivity on this show. So how does conflict affect productivity? That the article I mentioned a second ago called Conflicts, Positive and Negative Aspects was really good. And I will have a link to this article and some of the others in the show notes. I think they're great resources for you if this is an issue you're dealing with and you'd like to um, maybe get some resources to help you deal with conflict in your life in one area or another. I can recommend some of these articles. Definitely check those out. But this article talks about both that, that conflict has both negative and positive effects. So, for instance, some of the negative effects of conflict that the article talks about. Uh, I've already mentioned that it can distract individuals and groups from their primary purposes, leaving them with less time and resources for other activities. I think that's maybe when we think about um, conflict and productivity, that's really what we're thinking about. I can't get my primary work done because I'm so distracted by or I'm having to take time and attention to deal with this conflict. And so that's something we can talk about here in a minute, but, uh, that's one of the negative effects of conflict, whether it's at home, at work, in our social relationships or whatever. The article points out that conflict can have both short-term and long-term effects on the physical and psychological health of the individuals involved in or affected by the conflict it literally has physical effects on us as well as psychological effects. We've talked in the past about how stress affects our bodies and our minds. And that's kind of where this is going. Conflict, especially ongoing conflict, uh, creates uh, heightened stress levels that have physiological effects on our health. A third negative effect that this article talked about that I thought was kind of interesting. And I, I don't think there's time to really go into it in this episode, but something to consider. And and I'm quoting here from the article, it says, conflict can lead to collective traumas, which lead to chosen trauma, and can be transmitted to future generations in the form of resentment against one's ancestors, enemies. Um. The, the article then says, chosen trauma, that is something that's passed on from one generation to the next. I hate these people because they were my grandparents' enemies. We've always hated each other, our family, and that's the kind of thing. The article says, chosen trauma gives ripe, rise to group identity and keeps the flame of conflict burning. So there really are, I mean, you may be able to look around in your own life and see situations where whether it's family or friends or someone, you know, that there's kind of almost like the old um, historical feud between the Hatfields and the McCoys. That's kind of a historical thing here in the United States of these families hated each other for generations. And that ongoing conflict has consequences. So those are some of the negative effects, effects of conflict, according to this article, the distraction and diversion of resources, the physical and psychological health effects, and then this um, chosen trauma that's transmitted from one generation to the next. But this article also points out that conflict can have positive effects. And this is um, the article quotes from a study that was done by Dean Pruitt and Jeffrey Rubin. And again, all the links will be in the show notes. But Uh, they found five beneficial aspects of conflict. And this is important to think about because so much, as as we'll talk in a minute, so much of the how conflict affects us, like everything else in life, is how we think about it, how we look at it. So being able to identify some potential positive effects is a good thing. So the the study cites the five, um, positive or potentially beneficial aspects of conflict as being, first of all, that conflict contributes to social change by, as the article says, ensuring both interpersonal and intergroup dynamics remain fresh and reflective of current interests and realities. So social change can be um, contributed to by conflict amongst people. Uh, Second one is that conflict serves to discourage premature group decision-making because the fact that there is a difference of opinion forces, the article says, participants in the decision-making process to explore the issues and interests at stake. So that's a benefit of conflict. If someone's willing to speak up and express an alternative point of view or a a difference of opinion, that can slow that process down in in the decision-making in a group to make sure that everybody's interests are considered. The third potentially beneficial aspect of conflict, according to this article, is that it allows for the reconciliation of the party's concerns, which... It says can lead to an agreement benefiting both parties' needs and often their relationship and organizations. So, in in the broader scope of things, and then uh, the fourth one is that conflict. The article says it strengthens it strengthens intragroup unity by providing an outlet for group members to discuss and negotiate their interests within the group. The article says without intragroup conflict, the health of the group typically declines. Now I think that's interesting. And, and and this, you know, they're talking generically about groups. It can be a company, it can be an office within a company, it can be a family. If there is no conflict, according to this article and the studies that it looks at, the, the health of the group typically will decline. So within a family, for instance, if there is never any conflict, unless they are completely of the same everybody involved is completely of the same mind all the time, somebody is suppressing an opinion, and that's unhealthy over time. So I thought that was interesting that conflict can strengthen intragroup unity giving uh, by giving the people within the group, the family, the office, the company, the the social group, uh, a place to discuss and negotiate their interests. And then f- the fifth uh, positive aspect of conflict that the article talked about is um, that conf- conflict between groups. So the, the last one we were talking about within a group, but this one is that conflict between groups produces intragroup unity as the conflict provides the opportunity for increased intragroup cooperation while working toward the group's common goal for the conflict's outcome so if we can find healthy ways to deal with conflict i think what this is saying is it will unify us because we will be working together to come up with a solution that serves our needs as a group In resolving the conflict with another group. So I just thought that was interesting. Another, um, you know, putting it into the business context, uh, there was a study from MIT that's cited in another article that I'll link to. And this MIT study, and I'm quoting here, reveals that groups that are more likely to argue with each other, such as groups made of men and women or people with different backgrounds give rise to more conflicts, but also lead to 41% more productivity. thought that was interesting. So this is an MIT study that found that when you've got groups that are made up of people that are going to have different perspectives and different interests, you're going to have more conflict, but ultimately you'll have significantly more productivity uh, because of that. Another article says that conflict is often needed. It does several things. It helps to raise and therefore address problems. That's, that's I think, a benefit of, of conflict if we think about it, that it's, um, if we, we can't resolve a problem if it's never identified and conflict usually identifies where a problem is and then the group can come together and find ways to resolve it. This article also says that conflict can energize work to be focused on the most important priorities. It can help people to be real and motivate them to fully participate. And uh, I thought this is really good. Conflict can help people learn how to recognize and benefit from their differences. So there's lots of, of potentially positive results that can come from conflict. Now, That doesn't mean that it's easy to deal with or that we don't have to learn constructive ways to deal with it. But I think learning about the potential for a positive effect from the conflict is a good starting point for coming up with resolutions and and developing an attitude toward conflict that doesn't become self-defeating. Uh, that's just my thought on it. So, so what are some of the ways that we can deal with conflict? And again, as I said at the beginning, I don't uh, I don't by any stretch consider myself to be an expert in dealing with conflict or with conflict resolution. I don't like conflict. I don't I you know, I like a good-natured debate among friends where different perspectives are thrown out there and and issues are talked through. I don't I don't like arguing, I don't like conflict, where people get angry or hurt, or those sorts of things. And yet, it's inevitable, as we've talked about in this episode, and I know you've experienced that in in your life that, you know, it, conflict will come when you have people of different interests and different opinions and different perspectives. So how can we deal with it and not let it totally derail our our productivity in the sense of getting the things done we need to do or our productivity in the sense of making a life that matters, making the kind of life that we want to have. And so again, uh, you know, looking at the the materials that I researched and I have, like I said, a pretty pretty lengthy list of articles that I'm going to link to that I would encourage you to look at to maybe get some ideas. But here, here are some thoughts that I kind of pulled from these. I think the first key to dealing with conflict is learning to manage your own thinking. No matter what anybody else involved is doing, we can't control what other people do, we can only control what we do. And what we do comes out of what we're thinking. And so uh, learning to manage our thinking to direct it in positive and productive ways is I think key to dealing with conflict in our lives when it comes. And um, finding healthy ways through it and staying productive in the midst of it. The, the article that I've mentioned uh, once a couple times before the, on conflicts, positive and negative aspects had uh, 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 some information that I thought was really relevant to this. It says, and I'm, I'm quoting here, research suggests that an individual's perspective regarding conflict strongly impacts their ability to effectively address it. Okay, so how we think about conflict is very important in our ability to address conflict. If we see it as wholly negative, we're going to take a different approach to it, aren't we? If we are able to keep it in perspective to recognize the potential for positive results from a conflict, we're going to take a different approach to trying to resolve it. The article goes on to say, as our perspective of conflict charts our path for engaging and navigating our differences, our view of conflict must be balanced, realistic, and flexible. Okay, so we that's, that's the view we need to take toward conflict, according to this article and the the studies that it looked at. Uh, the article goes on to say, such a perspective recognizes that conflict is a normal, natural aspect of human interaction that inevitably manifests to varying degrees in almost everyone's life. The perspective also understands that though conflict has potential costs, it does not have to be negative or destructive when properly understood and addressed constructively, conflict can be managed in a way that minimizes its potential, but not inevitable negative impacts. Okay. So that's, to me, that's the starting point, learning to take a balanced, realistic and flexible, as the article says, view of conflict, understanding that it's inevitable, it's normal, it happens, and it doesn't have to be 100% negative. And learning to manage our own thinking about conflict, or about anything else for that matter, really is a starting point, isn't it? Because it it does come back to the fact that we can't control what other people do. We, you know, we'd simply can't, we simply can not we can not control our circumstances, we can't control much of anything, except what's going on in our own heads. And so that to me, dealing with conflict, just like anything else in our life, starts with learning to manage our own minds, manage our own thinking, and direct it to more positive and constructive ways. I, I, to the extent that it's kind of relevant to this, I thought this was interesting. I read something, I think on a little Facebook thing, that somebody posted talking about the five, five approach. If it won't matter in five years, don't worry about it for more than five minutes. So I thought that was interesting. And that maybe can be applied to our perspective on a particular conflict. If we've had a little run in with somebody that it's done and gone, and it's over with, and it's not going to have any long-term impact maybe we need to let it go instead of rehearsing it and reliving it and thinking of different ways we wish things we wish we had said or feeling that we were something was unjust about it if it's not going to uh, matter 5 years from now it doesn't deserve more than 5 minutes of our time all right. So, managing our own thinking. Part of that I think is looking for the positive, okay? So, in a couple of ways that applies. First of all, looking for the positive in the conflict itself. Thinking about what we've discussed so far in this episode and what the articles have said about the potential for positive results from conflict, apply that to the specific conflict you're thinking of. Whatever whether it's a personal conflict in your family or something at work or, you know, the world in general, there there's lots of conflict going on in our, in our contemporary society. I think it applies there. Look for the positive. What positive results could come from this conflict if it's handled well? So think about that. What outcome would you like to have? And it should, I, I, I don't think, that should be just that I prevail and I get my way. But if you're dealing with a conflict, trying to find a a way, a resolution and a way out of the conflict, it's, it can start with this looking for something positive that could come out of it if it's handled well. And at the same time, look for the positive in the people involved. Um, Learn to separate the conflict from the personhood of those people. There is a tendency, and I it's maybe it's always been this way. I think this is part of human nature, but it, it seems very obvious to me, kind of watching world events, that there's this tendency to dehumanize the other, and I'm using air quotes around other, that they are somehow less than human, they don't have any good qualities, they're all bad, all evil, because they are on the other side of whatever this conflict is. And I think we need to resist that tendency. We need to look for the positive in those people that are on the other side of the conflict, remind ourselves of something good about that person. And at the same time, try to see things from their perspective. There's a great article that I found on how to cope with conflict without drama. I'll have a link in the show notes. I highly recommend it. It was really good. Um, But to take a step back from the heat of battle, so to speak, in that conflict look at the other person and see them as a human being, even if you vehemently disagree and the conflict is a strong one. If you can rein in that that tendency, that subconscious tendency to sort of dehumanize them and attribute only bad motives to them, resist that and look on purpose for something good about that person. It's there. There is something good in, in pretty much everybody, even the people we disagree with. And if we can pause for a moment, look for that, consider the possibility that they are um, their motives are good and they've just reached a different conclusion than we have. I think that's a st- another starting point for finding resolution that everybody can live with. Try to see things from their perspective. Even if you think their perspective is wrong, try to understand where they're coming from. Uh, I think that's so important. Another key to dealing with conflict is to stay calm. And that is hard for some of us. Uh, You know, we, we, that fight or flight response that I mentioned earlier that comes up when we feel like rationally or not we feel like we're under attack or our values are under attack or our opinion is under attack conflict by its the nature of it can do that to us and our emotions get high and our our defensive mechanisms kick in and we can get uh, you know overly excited overly anxious and react accordingly but if we can stay calm we're more likely to find a resolution. And now that might require everybody kind of going to their separate corners for a few minutes to take a breath, um, slow down their breathing and breathe deeply. Uh, Because when we are anxious and tense, we breathe more shallowly. And again, all those sort of instinctive defensive mechanisms kick in. And so to overcome that, Maybe we need to go to separate corners and kind of take some deep breaths, get our shoulders relaxed and, and calm down for a minute before we come back to talk about it. Ideally, everybody's going to do that. But even if nobody else involved in the conflict will do that, you can. And, and I think you should. I think we should for our own sake. Uh, that is in lowering our stress level and uh, all the impacts that that stress can have on our bodies and just being at peace. We're going to be more at peace and less stressed if we can stay calm, take a breath. And I'm not talking about repressing our opinions or repressing our emotions, but managing our thinking, remembering that whatever emotions we're feeling have their source in a thought we're having about what's going on. And sometimes we, if we don't want to feel agitated and angry and all those other things that can be kind of instinctive re, um, reactions to conflict, then what do we need to do to have a different kind of reaction, a different kind of feeling? If we want to feel calm and at peace, we need some time to take a step back. Again, take some deep breaths, let our heart rate lower and decide how do i want to feel about this situation what do i need to think in order to feel that way so something to consider again even if nobody else in the situation will take the time to stay calm w- we should do so for our own sake but also for uh, for the sake of finding resolution because a whole bunch of agitated angry people are not going to find a resolution to the conflict It simply won't happen, at least not a a positive resolution. Things will just escalate if everybody's agitated and angry and anxious. So staying calm is so important in the moment and on an ongoing basis. On a practical level, some of the things we can do are maybe to put our positions in writing. So when we kind of go to our separate corners uh, to take a breath, maybe sit down and put our position into writing what it is, why, what the conflict is from our perspective, what caused it, what outcome needs to happen, you know, whatever, put it in writing, have each person write out their view of the situation and then maybe trade those and, and, and read them separately. Maybe if it's a really heated conflict and give some time to think about it, going back to the whole idea of trying to have a positive view of the other person or people involved, and trying to see things from their perspective, not saying you have to agree with their perspective, not um, that you have to condone what's happening, but to try to understand it. There's so much value in that. And there is a resolution to be found if, if people can understand each other. So whether you write it out or talk it out, try to as you go through this process of of expressing each point of view on all of it, try to identify and articulate where you agree. Uh, Instead of focusing on where you're different, uh, where you disagree, can you find something you agree on? Uh, Maybe it's just we can agree that the situation as it is shouldn't continue. And we can agree that it's not healthy for any of us for this to continue this way. You know, whatever it is, how far into the process you can find agreement depends, I suppose, on the situation. But try to find those points of agreement That's another great starting point for finding resolution. Sometimes then in a, a conflict, whether it's a personal one, a professional one, whatever, maybe you need to find a mediator. If emotions are high and there seems to be kind of a wall between you and you can't find Common ground, sometimes it helps to find a mediator, someone who's not emotionally invested in the issue, who can help mediate a re- resolution and maybe can help you identify the areas where you agree and sort of limit the universe of things that actually um, need to be resolved. Uh, the more common ground you can find, the less there is to, um, to fight about, I guess, so to speak. But, you know, so sometimes finding a mediator can make a huge difference if you can find the right kind of person. Uh, definitely. I think resolution of conflict requires us to listen and that's maybe the hardest part. We need to listen to understand rather than to refute. We need to try to set aside our own defensiveness and just listen to the other person. Let them finish what they're saying. Try to take it in and understand it instead of sort of tuning them out because you're just waiting to make your argument back to them. Uh, One article that I read that's from a TED talk says, it's important to listen deeply and actively. And, and the article goes on to say, and I'm quoting here, intense discussions. It's important to acknowledge the feelings of each party involved and use reflective language to show that they've been heard. Oftentimes long felt harbored emotions originating from other sources can ignite miscommunications and set off a firestorm between two people. Uh, That's so important to recognize that it may be that the emotions are coming from something else and, and learning to listen and really hear and make sure each person gets heard can make a huge difference in an ability to resolve a conflict and allow the parties to get back to their product, productive lives. Carter McNamara, who's a PhD who wrote, uh, quoted in an article called How to Deal with Conflict, offers several suggestions for dealing with conflict with another person. And again, this is a great article that I'll link in the show notes. But among the suggestions that Carter uh, offered were give the other person time to vent, do not interrupt the person or judge what he or she is saying. So that's important. You want to be heard. They want to be heard. Everybody wants to be heard. So in order to find resolution, first of all, you've got to understand each other. And so listen, um, the article, uh, another suggestion is to verify that you're accurately hearing each other because sometimes what we, what we say is not what the other person hears and vice versa. Uh, And so, um, Dr. McNamara suggests when the other person is done speaking, ask the person to let you rephrase uninterrupted what you're hearing to ensure you're hearing it correctly. And to understand the person more, ask open ended questions. Um, Dr. McNamara suggests avoiding why questions because those tend to make people feel defensive. Um, uh, Dr. McNamara also suggests discuss the matter on which you disagree, not the nature of the other person. That's the big, the thing I was trying to get at earlier about not dehumanizing them, separating the conflict from the personhood of the other people involved. And so, what Dr. McNamara suggests is discuss that topic, not the nature of the person. Ask what can we do to fix the problem, and acknowledging that the person might begin to complain again. So ask the same question, what can we do to fix the problem? Focus on actions you both can do. Ask the person if they'll support that action. And if they won't, then ask for a cooling off period. So I thought that was so good. Giving the other person time to vent, listening without interrupting, without judging, Now, again, the other people on the other side of the conflict may not do these things, but we can control what we do and we can control our own thinking on it. Another option or another um, idea for conflict resolution, ways that we can deal with conflict is to decide to take some positive action, to be willing to, in essence, be the the bigger person, again, air quotes, not to show the other person up, but for for the sake of being the person you want to be, no matter what other people are doing, um, not letting other people's choices in the, the conflict determine who you're going to be in that conflict. And in an article called Six Ways to Make Conflict Productive, the writer says, make the first move toward reconciliation. And that's This is hard sometimes. In certain situations, we want to wait for them. You know, we kind of get our back up and it's like, well, I'm waiting for you to apologize. And then, you know, then I'll forgive you and then we'll be done. Sometimes if if it matters more that the conflict be resolved, maybe we need to make the first move toward reconciliation, as this article suggests, And, and the writer says, try to repair emotional damage caused by the conflict by getting the communication started again. So instead of giving the silent treatment, maybe be willing to be the one to reach out. And this is what I love that this writer said, ask yourself, how do I want to be viewed after the conflict is over? Think about that when you're in the heat of battle, you know, in a conflict with other people, how do you want to be viewed? And I would say, how do you want to view yourself after the conflict is over? And what kind of person do you want to be in this? Um, It's so important that we decide to be who we are, regardless of what other people are doing. I, as i was preparing this episode i was reflecting back on a situation i had a few years ago in which i was in a heated conflict with someone who had been a, a a very close friend for a long period of time and my regret in that whole situation is that i let my emotions get the better of me and i became very reactive to what i thought this person was doing and as a result in many ways i acted in a way that is not reflective of the kind of person I want to be. And I regret that. I let the circumstances drive my choices in how I behaved and how I felt. I got very emotional, very reactive, and said and did things that after it was all over, I thought that's that's not the kind of person I want to be. That's not the kind of person I want to be remembered as. whether the friendship carried on or not was not the point. I feel like I sort of betrayed my own integrity by letting the circumstance dictate my behavior. And so sometimes we need to take that step back and think about this question that this writer asks of, how do I want to be viewed after this is all over? How do I want other people to see me? And more deeply, even still, what kind of person do I want to be? And what actions would that person take in this situation? So those are some things to think about in dealing with conflict. I think the most important thing is to act with integrity in a way that's consistent with the kind of person you want to be as a human being. Some tips for, I guess, staying productive in the sense of getting the stuff done that you need to do even in the midst of conflict. Because as we talked about earlier, often conflict distracts us and uh, takes away time and energy and attentional and emotional resources that we need to be spending on the things that are important to us, and it diverts all that over to dealing with this conflict. How can we stay productive anyway when all this is going on? A couple of things that I thought about. We're first of all, to, to, to find some small area you can control. I think so often we are feeling unproductive because we feel like it's out of our control. Other people are involved, other people are making decisions or acting in certain ways that we can't do anything about. And we feel very helpless and that's distracting and disturbing. And so one thing we can do is maybe find some small area that we can control, you know, clean up our workspace or create a a very peaceful area where to to sit and think about all of it. That's a small thing, but it can sometimes make a difference. It's something we can do something about when we can't do anything, maybe immediately to resolve the conflict. Uh, Number two would be to take care of yourself. Um, the, this one article that i read called how to stay productive at work when a personal crisis is taking over your life i think it's very applicable here if the conflict is caused by a crisis take the time you need to to take care of yourself the article said prioritizing self-care is crucial when you're experiencing turmoil and your professional life will benefit in the long run so this is you know the article was talking about when you've got some personal crisis going on, um, and it's interfering with your ability to do work, sometimes you need to take some time off and deal with it. And and third, I would say we need to take a realistic approach to what we can do and how we can do it. Maybe we can't be uh, as 100% go, go, go as we might want to be, but we can still be productive and get things done if we're realistic about the resources we have emotionally, physically, and in every other way to devote to getting our things done. And that article that I just mentioned about staying productive at work says, and uh, quoting from it, when you're short on mental energy, breaking projects down into small, manageable and easily attainable milestones can help sustain your focus. That's part of the issue when we are in the midst of conflict. it's it, it's very difficult to stay focused on work. And yet we need to get our work done. We need to get the things done at home and at, and at at the office or you know our workplace. And so this article is suggesting, and this is this is good advice all the time, but to break it down into small pieces that you can do, and, and start to make progress. And that will boost your ability to f- stay focused on getting the things done. So these are some thoughts. I, 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 you know, again, I'm not an expert on this. A lot of this is is stuff that I kind of came across in researching this topic, because I think it's important. It's, it's, as I've said, conflict is inevitable. How do we deal with it? How do we stay productive? what do you think? How do you handle conflict, either personal or professional? Where do you struggle? What impact does it have on you? And what are your best tips for managing conflict and staying productive? I would love to hear your thoughts on this, because I think this is an area that we all um, maybe struggle with and we all have probably something to contribute to the conversation about how to manage it and stay productive. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can share your ideas or your questions in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 214 and then just scroll down to the bottom to the comment section. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. Or if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, uh, you can post a comment or a suggestion or a question there and we can continue that conversation. If you are a woman who listens to this podcast, you are welcome to join me in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group. I would love to have you there. Um, just be sure, all you have to do is go to the productivewoman.com slash group and that'll take you to that page uh, in Facebook. Just click on the join button. Be sure to answer the questions there that I ask. Just a couple questions. I, that's the only way I can know... Um, and make sure that people who are asking to join the group are legitimately wanting to be part of the community. And, and, and so do answer those questions. Otherwise, I, I, I kind of can't approve you to join the group. Because unfortunately, there are people in Facebook who um, try to join groups for purposes other than being part of a community. I'll just leave it at that. If you want to share your thoughts about this episode or anything else for that matter with me privately you can always email your questions comments or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com i'd love to hear from you uh, okay a couple of quick things don't forget our sponsor fresh books and their wonderful cloud accounting service to find out all the ways they can help you spend less time managing your business finances and more time doing what you love about your business, just go to freshbooks.com slash tpw and be sure to enter the productive woman in the how did you hear about us section so they know I sent you. And thank you so much to FreshBooks for its longtime support of the productive woman. And that is it for this episode of the productive woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope there was something in it that was useful to you. I really do look forward to hearing your ideas on this so so reach out to me in one of the ways i mentioned and share your thoughts i look forward to talking with you again very soon so until next time remember extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter the productive woman is a proud member of noodle mix network find more of our award winning and award nominated podcasts to help you think laugh and succeed at noodle.mx.